Hi, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Hudson Monta Stories. My name is Matt Virgil. Uh, today we continue our Unmatched series where we talk about different um, aspects of our program at Hudson Montessori School and what makes them unique and impactful. Um, today I talk with Huck Ford, who is one of our upper elementary lead teachers, and uh, we talk about that program and his views on it. I think that you'll enjoy it as a continuation of the series that, um, um, that we've been doing as well as just on, on its own. Thanks for tuning in and uh, have a nice day. Thanks for joining us uh, for today's episode of Hudson Montessori, everyone. Um, as I said in my intro, uh, today is a continuation of our Unmatched series. Um, we're talking today with Huck Ford, who is one of our two lead upper elementary teachers. And we're going we're gonna to dive in um, in just a moment as to what makes upper elementary at Hudson Montessori School Unmatched. But um, first, Huck, thank you for being here. Yeah, happy to be here. And uh, maybe maybe you can begin by just giving us a little bit of background of your path to Hudson Montessori School. Sure, absolutely. So uh, after studying um, botany and uh, environmental geography in, in college at OU, uh, I worked for the Forest Service for a number of years after that, uh, and then got interested, came back to Ohio in outdoor education. So I started at uh, camps as a camp counselor and then an outdoor educator in the fall at a, a place called Ohio FFA Camp Muskingum, which has a program called Nature's Classroom. And during Nature's Classroom, which is, you know, a getaway camp for um, typically around fourth to sixth graders throughout Northeast Ohio, Hudson Montessori was one of the schools that came every spring. So that was really my first introduction to a Montessori school um, and to Hudson Montessori in particular. Um, and although I had no uh, thoughts at the time about moving into the classroom, Hudson Montessori, even from uh, that first time, had always left an imprint on me on how just generally curious respectful and just um, just quite lovely the students that uh, that were um, that came from Hudson Montessori. Um, I ended up taking a, a program director's job at a camp called Camp Whitewood, which is a 4-H camp in Ashtabula County. Uh, and I worked there for a while before I decided I wanted to make the transition into uh, into the classroom. Uh, and <clears throat> uh, I was kind of talking with my wife or my girlfriend at the time. Um, and she said, you know, why don't you go talk to HMS, talk hmm. to Hudson Montessori. Um, and that was, I believe your summer yeah, when you first came in it was. Uh, and there was an assistant position open in the upper elementary under Dolly Patel. Uh, and that was my first, um, first foray into Montessori into HMS. Well, I've told you this off the microphone. I'll say it officially <laughs> that your wife is a, an intelligent woman. But, so, uh, I stand by that statement. So thank you, Liz. Um, Okay, let's dive in here. Yeah. So uh, when Abby and I talked about lower elementary, mm -hmm. we we actually started off and much of our conversation was philosophical, talking mm -hmm. about how we think about as Montessorians what we do for a child and as they grow towards this path to adulthood. Mm -hmm. And one of the ideas is this um, notion that what we're trying to help is a child figure out that th this question of like, who am I and what am I going to become? Um and how does what happened before me, even, you know, thousands of years before mm -hmm. I was even born, how does that impact what I'm doing and what I might do? Um, how do you see that play out in upper elementary, which is, again, for those who are maybe just getting to know our schools, grades four through six? Sure, absolutely. And um, a really great topic. And I really think 
Abby is correct. And I just listened to the conversation. I really think Abby is correct in identifying this as the one constant overarching theme, which would be cosmic education of the elementary curriculum. And although today we're just talking about four through six, I do think it's important to make sure that we understand that Maria Montessori understood at the elementary years, grades one through six as one plane of development. So a lower elementary being the first half of that plane and upper elementary being the second half of that plane. Um, and you and Abby were talking about this question of who am I a lot during this time. And I think that's a really important question. Uh, and if I could kind of backtrack a little bit to think about this question, I think since the Enlightenment and the ideas of Descartes and Newton, Newton kind of creating our world into a mechanical piece and Descartes really thinking about the analytical reasoning mind, we've done a really good job of understanding the world better. And we've done a really good job of understanding it uh, in terms of scientific objective knowledge. But one thing that I think that we really lost was this overarching narrative of where a human's place fits into that world. Mm -hmm. And I really think that this is what Maria Montessori was trying to put back into science education in particular and human education in the humanities, is this idea of all cultures have had a creation story and have told stories from time in memoriam about where we come from, who we are. And I don't think that we need to lose those. And I and think I, it's imperative that we don't lose those narratives, even as we talk about modern day, our understandings of the sci, uh, science and the galaxies and biology and all of these great things, these cultural studies. It's really that narrative that children latch on to. Mm -hmm. So you and Abby were talking about the timeline of life. And um, I, I think it was a great discussion about how it's not necessarily the trivial pedantic facts that are important. Mm -hmm. It's really this overarching narrative. And that's something that we continue um, in the upper elementary. Uh, one example I'd like to give is just our history curriculum. Mm -hmm. So we start where they kind of left off in lower elf, which is that long black line. And, and, and you talked about laying it out. Mm -hmm. And that last strip was the Holocene, the, the, the arrival of humans on planet earth. And so we start in fourth grade talking about the early human evolution and where we came from. And then pick it up in fifth grade with ancient civilization studies and the great civilizations from all the continents that have given us what we are today. And then we really um, end up in sixth grade in this constantly narrowing concentric circle talking about their life today um, within where we are, our community, our country, our continent. Hmm. Um, and so our students uh, and through this, all varieties of things are taught, everything from civics to biology to evolution to history. And I think it's really a beautiful testament to Maria Montessori's idea of cosmic education as a cross-disciplinary um, interdependence subject. Um, so could you quick, quickly crystallize mm -hmm. when a sixth grader leaves, sure. what's, what's unique about them leaving sixth grade at, at HMS with that in mind, what yeah, you said? Absolutely. I think one of the most important things is they have a sense of meaning and belonging within mm -hmm. their greater uh, awareness. One of the hallmarks that Maria Montessori really kind of pointed out of unique to the six to 12 year old in particular is that they're starting to ask these really big questions yeah. about life. And so many times I think we as adults are, are um, too, um, too ready to just kind of dismiss these questions as, as meaningless or just the, the flutterance of a young mind. But really these are important questions of who am I? Where do I fit in? Mm -hmm. And they're ready, especially as you said, a, a leaving sixth grade, they're really ready yeah. to go out and expand beyond these four walls and enter the greater community. 
That's uh, actually that's a really nice entree into what would be our next episode in this series, which mm-hmm. is talking about middle school and Absolutely. adolescence. So, yeah, yeah, awesome. Okay, now um, let's let's begin to maybe get a little more concrete talking mm-hmm. about what goes on in the upper elementary program. As we talked about and prepared for this conversation, um, we we noted uh, your the use of the concept of mindfulness yeah. in upper elementary. Talk about how that works and why it's important. Yeah, absolutely. So um, mindfulness was something that was important to me from a personal standpoint, from my practices in meditation, especially um, the work from um, Francisco Varela. Um, And and he really brought into this idea of um, his technical term for it was neurophenomenology. Um, But basically what he's talking about is uh, blending the sciences of neuroscience and how our brain behaves with the um, ancient traditions of mindfulness, particularly from the Buddhist tradition. Um, and the, whether we're coming at it from a, um, a, a, a more uh, narrative form from hum- human culture, or we're, we're seeing the most recent studies come out of uh, neuroscience, I mean, it's very, very clear um, that you know, meditative practice and mindfulness are uh, supremely beneficial mm-hmm. to not only uh, any human brain, but also especially the developing human brain. Right. Uh, and so though it's kind of evolved in, within our classroom as well, within the upper elementary. Two years ago, uh, Dolly Patel, the previous um, co-teacher with, with me, talked about how we can bring mindfulness into the classroom. And it started as what we would call mindful meetings right before lunch. Uh, but we quickly understood that right before lunch was not a good time uh, to hold mindful meetings um, for a variety of reasons. Um, obviously, uh, lunch sometimes yeah. takes a greater priority. Yeah. Hunger. Uh, <laughs> um, but one of the reasons that lunch, right before lunch, is also a good time just for us to connect. And yeah. Sometimes it was a birthday celebration or something that was on a child's mind. Mind the mindfulness got put off. Well, this year I really made it, uh, and Kim Barcella as well. We've really made it. Um, a priority. So every single afternoon after lunch, we sit down and we use uh, we use meditation apps. Uh, the current one we're working through is a Calm app, and it's by guided, trained um, meditation teachers. And we use it every single day, and we never compromise on that. Just as we wouldn't compromise on a mm. math lesson, mm. just as we wouldn't compromise on a geography lesson. And I think the most important thing is that uh, Kim and I do the meditation actively with the students. And there's no pressure on them to do it one way or a right way. We're just simply doing it to the best of our abilities. And this is not something Kim and I have tried to think about how is this, um, how do we review this? How do we step back and say, is this productive? Mm, And I think that um, mindfulness and meditation in particular, it's, it's really hard to do that, especially because it's so subjective and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, to the individual. But I really think this is one of those uh, situations where we're just planting the seeds mm-hmm. in individuals that might not even come fruition for decades down the line. Yeah. But uh, I, I really do firmly believe that it's an important part of our curriculum. I, I like that idea of your planting seeds because sometimes the uh, sometimes what we do here at school may not have an immediate effect, but yeah. we're just that that, that concept <laughs> of who am I. We're, we're building, we're putting those pieces Absolutely. in place for that, that development. Yeah. That, that's, that's neat. Um, outdoors are, um, important in the uh, upper elementary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it can go a number of different ways, mm-hmm. but talk a bit, little bit about the role that outdoors plays in, in, in the, in the program. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I kind of said in my background, I, I, I was really an outdoor educator first. And in many ways, I still consider myself an outdoor educator. Um, I mean, I, I just personally believe that uh, children can learn so much more from uh, an experience in, in the natural world than we can give them in any artificial one or man-made one. But one way that we incorporated that into the upper elementary is through a couple programs. Uh, one is that we started a maple syrup program. Mm -hmm. um, so here at the school. So uh, that was um, uh, funded by mm -hmm. our uh, donation drive, which was very generous. And, mm -hmm. and we were able to start. So last year was our first year that we actually made uh, a maple syrup product. And so we tapped 75 trees. And, and the students are are at every single phase of, mm -hmm. of this project. So from from the tapping of the trees um, to the hanging of the buckets, to collecting every day, whether it's a nice sunny day or whether it's really cold outside, we the buckets need to be collected. And, and this kind of goes into the whole Montessori idea of natural consequences and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. These are responsibilities. And it was really awesome to see the upper elementary involve the whole school too, whether it's helping the little children's house students uh, carry buckets or whether it's at the end when we had our big boil day celebration, they uh, did a wonderful presentation on all the aspects yes. of maple syrup to the uh, general public yep. um, or to uh, organizing, uh, designing a label and selling the bottles of maple syrup themselves. Yeah. Um, and I know that this is uh, probably something you'll cover in the middle school, but this was also a great introduction uh, yeah, yeah. to them to, um, uh, to running their own operation. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. North House Specialties. Yeah. Uh, so quickly, we've had a fairly mild winter this year. <laughs> yeah. How does that, how does that impact? Maple <laughs> well, syrup? We need to pray for a cold snap. Okay. <laughs> if we're going to, if we're going to we'll, be uh, happy, a lot of sap. Is yeah. That what, is... we'll, we'll still, the, the sap has to get to the leaves somehow. So okay. we'll still make maple syrup, but, uh, a, a cold, a cold winter will help ensure that our sap has a higher sugar, sugar content. content. So, so that's what we'll be hoping for, for the rest of February. Okay. All Sorry right. folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm on board with that. Yeah. Um, uh, trout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Talk about the trout. Yeah, yeah. So that's a really exciting thing. Um, shout out to Tracy Keenan. She worked really hard to get us a grant, um, to start what's called the trout in the classroom program. And this was actually a program that I had started at, um, at nature's classroom. And I always thought it would be a, a cool thing to actually do it in the classroom. And so what it is, is it's, uh, it's coordinated through the ODNR, the uh, Ohio Department of Natural Resources. And we were able, the grant covered um, the equipment, which is a, a fairly serious setup because uh, trout require very specific conditions. And so uh, we actually just received our trout eggs and they already hatched uh, about a week ago. And so we raised the trout from the time they're eggs until they're uh, a couple inches. Uh, and then in Probably in April, May, we'll take the students on a field trip to the Cuyahoga River, um, and we will release them, rainbow trout, in the Cuyahoga River where they'll, where they'll live out the rest of their lives. Mm. Uh, and this is unique for a, a number of reasons. Number one is that in order for a student to see the complete life cycle mm. of, uh, of a single animal that they can witness every single day is just so much more powerful than any experience with a book, mm. a video can teach them. They're mm -hmm. seeing it. Um, some of our trout die. Mm -hmm. That's an important thing for them to see and learn as well, even though it might not be easy. Um, and also they're learning about the environmental factors as well. Every single day they're taking the pH of the water, yeah. measuring for nitrites, ammonium and nitrites, um, and learning about the nitrogen cycle. So there's just so much learning that can be done when there's live animals um, and, and something that they have to take care of. 
And so <laughs> it's one of these things. They're engaged in the matter. So when yeah. you bring up the nitrate cycle uh, yeah. or something like that, they they want to know it because they know it's important for them to to help these. That's exactly survive. right. Everyone would rather see fish every single day and take care of them and nurture yeah. them and see them grow than watch me draw a diagram on the chalkboard. You know? <laughs> so when, when, if, if it all works yeah. out, it's late spring that you take them. Yeah. The- it, some of that will depend on environmental factors, okay. obviously, but yeah, it'll be. And so this is a, a repeating program. So every year we'll, yeah. we'll receive the eggs in January and we'll release eggs in, uh, cool. in the spring. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, let's shift to math. So yeah, we sure. did look who's teaching mm-hmm. um, last week, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, um, I've had a number of parents come up to me, especially lower elementary parents. That are like, <laughs> the math that I saw in the upper elementary program yeah. was astounding. So I'm just curious. Um, we could we could probably do a number of podcasts on it. So we can't. Yeah. Can you talk about? <laughs> maybe we should. We'll see. Yeah. If there's feedback and you want it, you guys get, give me the feedback and we'll get it going. But uh, it, but in in this space. Can you pick a, a favorite work that you enjoy presenting to children in the area of math or geometry and tell me why? Sure, absolutely. And it's, it's one we're doing right now with the sixth graders. And this is the abstraction of large square roots. Now, I, I really like this for many reasons because I really think it's emblematic of what the upper L math is all about. As Abby correctly said last podcast, in Upper L, the students are really starting to get away from the materials and starting to mm-hmm. uh, much more go towards abstraction. Uh, and they want to, too. Um, you know, by the time they're in Upper L, some of them feel like the materials are a little bit childish. Um, and so there's this kind of pride in getting away from the materials as well. Well, the sixth graders, um, we start um, the abstraction of square roots and they're forced to go back to the materials, which is such a cool thing because it takes them right back to where they were. And, and, and they're very resistant to it sometimes uh, at the beginning. But then when they start moving towards abstraction in these square roots, it's just watching the most amazing process take full because it's not intuitive as maybe long division or long multiplication might be for them. This is a whole new branch of math. And it's really introducing them to algebra. And one of the reasons I also really enjoy the abstraction of square roots is because it doesn't necessarily have a direct real-world impact <laughs> that they can think of. And, mm-hmm. and students are always asking, why wow. do I need this? And I think many educators are, you know, unfortunately might dismiss that question or say, oh, because I told you so. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a very serious and real question. Why do we need this? And the application of, uh, of abstraction of square roots, it's mental gymnastics. I mean, these students have to problem solve, have to encompass all of the other things that they've learned in order to figure this out. So it's, it's really the totality of their math, elementary math experience to this point in solving one problem that might take them an entire work cycle. And a work cycle is uh, uh, like an afternoon or a morning, you know, wow. like two to three hours. Okay. So, you know, and they do this by themselves. They do it in groups. Absolutely. I mean, it, it varies. One nice thing about it is, is once one person figures it out, there's like this unbelievable energy within the room of, oh my gosh, you did yeah. it. <laughs> and so people just start gravitating towards that one person. So I'm going to show my ignorance here a little yeah. bit. Like, is this like a piece, is this a problem on a piece of paper? Like, so I'm thinking to myself, like I, I, could I, can you write this down and I can put this on the link of our yeah, podcast? So you absolutely. So like the square root of, and I'm just going to throw out yeah. a number, but the square root of uh, 158,231. Okay. And we're figuring it out, you know, and they're figuring out pencil and paper. Okay. Um, and, and 
the funniest thing happened uh, yesterday. And this was one of those moments that really make you say, wow, Montessori was, had it nailed. And this was when we were, uh, we, we teach um, throughout elementary, we teach geometry and math as two separate subjects, mm-hmm. which is, I think, very different than most approaches. Um, and sixth grade is really where those two start to converge on each other to become, um, you know, one discipline. And we were doing square roots and Pythagorean triplets, the Pythagorean theorem at the same time. And the students, you could see the light go off in their eyes. And at one point they were asking, is this a math lesson or is this a geometry lesson? Because they, <laughs> they're the silos didn't exist anymore. They were, mm-hmm. they were in, they were using all of the knowledge that they had to work on these problems, which to me was just one of those moments where you just step back and get out of the way. That's really neat. And so as a teacher, you, you literally, you weren't teaching at that point, you were, you were a spectator. Yeah. Which to me is uh, a, a, probably an indication that something's going well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you're not having to be yeah. involved, um, uh, <clears throat> developing, um, reading comprehension, the, yeah. the, you know, very foundational skill, but, mm-hmm. um, how do you guys tackle it in, uh, upper elementary through lit circles? Absolutely. Um, so lit circles are, um, they run throughout upper elementary and, 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 we, and they serve different purposes. We typically read about four to five books throughout the year um, and they vary. Most of them have a common theme to them and some of them are graded out. So all the fourth levels will read a book, all the fifth and all the sixth. And typically those are ones that are relating to their studies, such yep. as history or geography. Right. But then we also have some lit circles where um, it's multi-age. Uh, so we have fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And I really enjoy those particularly because you get to see the fifth and the sixth graders show the fourth levels what a discussion about literature looks like. Mm-hmm. And the the whole point of the lit group um, work um, beyond just the reading is to is for the students to lead their own discussions. Mm-hmm. And that takes some time and it's hard to do. It's hard. It's hard things to do. So us as the adults in the classroom will model that for the students, mm-hmm. will encourage them. Uh, but then the hope is that especially the sixth graders are starting to take on those, um, take asking their own deep questions and, and, and making their own real world connections. And the force is just such a nice model for the force to see the sixth and the fifths engage in that process. Uh, we, in our last two podcasts, we've talked about the power of the three-year cycle. Mm-hmm. So that's a really, while yeah. we haven't named it, that's a really good Absolutely. indication of it. Um, do you have a favorite novel that you get to present to the Yeah, uh, just because this is one that I've always remembered from my childhood, but I love Gary Paulson's The Hatchet. Okay. It's always one of my favorites. And the, the, it's always good. I always like to try and rope a few fourth levels into that because it's <laughs> such a great, it's just a, such a great start. We always start the year with that one as one of the choices. Yeah. Um, and it's always just such a great start. Um, okay. Uh, uh, to to their lit group work in upper elementary. So that's Mr. Huck's literature choice. That's good. I like it. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that we haven't touched on in the upper elementary. Um, yesterday they were cooking in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, there um, there are times at the end of the year where they will go visit different um, locations of worship um, mm-hmm. to expand their cultural understanding of religion. Um, I can speak to this because I'm out of Carline. Almost every morning, six levels help walk in the younger students. Um, they take care of our flag. Um, I'm just listing these because um, they probably all merit discussion, but um, but we don't necessarily have the time to do that. What I will say is um, if you are interested in learning more about the upper elementary program, um, you can contact me. You can contact Abby Wexler. 
Uh, and we are happy to set up a time where we go in and t- take you into the classroom and um, let you see it in action. I think, I think I would drive back to that point that we started with is we are starting with that foundational question of who am I, which I think as parents, and I say this as a parent, um, I really feel fortunate that I have a school that is continually asking that question because it's not easy, but it is so important. Um, and so that's my little editorial soapbox to uh, wrap this up. Huck, thank you for joining us. A pleasure to do it. And, um, and uh, I hope everyone has a, uh, a pleasant day and look forward to you tuning in to the next episode of Hudson Montessori's. Thanks very much. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Hudson Montessori's. Uh, If you have any feedback about our podcast or ideas of topics that you'd like us to address, uh, you can always drop me an email. My name is Matt Virgil, and my email is mvirgil, V-I-R-G-I-L, at hudsonmontestory.org. I'd love to hear from you. And, of course, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can always be alerted when we release one. Uh, There's uh, three ways you can do that. You can subscribe on Apple iTunes. Uh, through Spotify or on Google Play. If you just search Hudson Montessori's, it should bring it up and you can subscribe. And of course, if you write us a review, we'd certainly appreciate it. Um, That's one way that uh, we can grow the podcast. So thanks again for tuning in as always. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.